Welcome back to the 10 Blocks Podcast. This is Paul Beston, Managing Editor of City Journal. Coming up on the show today, Heather McDonald talks with Seth Barron about her latest essay for the magazine titled San Francisco, Hostage to the Homeless. It's a tour de force of reporting from Heather's time in the Bay Area this past summer, and we're thrilled to have her on the podcast to discuss it. The story was recently adapted in the Wall Street Journal, and we'll link to that and to the full-length City Journal essay in the show description. San Francisco, Hostage to the Homeless is the first story released online from our new autumn issue, which will be available soon. That's it for me. The conversation between Heather McDonald and Seth Barron begins after the music. Welcome back to 10 Blocks, the podcast of City Journal. This is your host for today, Seth Barron, Associate Editor of City Journal. I'm joined today by Heather McDonald, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute and Contributing Editor at City Journal. Heather writes widely on crime, disorder, and free speech. Her most recent book is The Diversity Delusion. She's here today to discuss her latest article in the fall issue of City Journal, San Francisco, Hostage to Homelessness. Heather, thanks for joining us on 10 Blocks. Well, thanks for having me on, Seth. It's great to be here. So you went to San Francisco and did some pretty intensive on-the-ground reporting. What did you see there? I saw squalor. I saw chaos. I saw human degradation. And I saw a set of failed policies. San Francisco has done a real-life experiment of what it means to jettison any expectation of bourgeois norms for a favored victim group. Uh, And they've done this in the name of compassion to say, well, we can't expect the homeless to conform to our norms of civil behavior on city sidewalks. We're doing this because we think it's compassionate uh, to exempt them from the expectations that everybody else lives by. Instead, what you're creating is misery uh, on the part of the so-called homeless themselves, which is really a a complete branding triumph on the part of Homelessness, Inc., because homelessness is the least of their problems. Uh, But you're also destroying cities. It is simply not acceptable to allow the sort of street squalor that has engulfed so many cities across the West Coast now. Uh, The Law-abiding residents have an absolute right that they should not apologize for uh, to expect to be able to walk on city streets without having to step over human feces, needles, uh, drunken, raving people. Uh, That that is simply not something that that anybody should have to accept. So it sounds like you really um, embedded yourself in the squalid conditions of San Francisco. Can you Tell our listeners what the experience was like. Well, a lot of people were quite willing to talk about their lives. And uh, what you hear again and again is that they've been offered services. Uh, the, the sense of drug addiction is absolutely ubiquitous. What I guess I was most struck by was just how flagrant the drug scene was. Uh, on every corner, you see 12 Hondurans congregated who are openly counting large wads of cash, 
The deals are going down right in front of your face. Uh, so I'd, I was curious to see what their level of suspicion was and how shameless they were and uh, tried to score fentanyl, which is now the upcoming drug in San Francisco and so many other places. And it's very lethal if, uh, you know, if it's pure and, and, and taken in, in larger doses. And the problem is it's hard for any user to know uh, you know, what, what this potency is. Uh, so I made inquiries all along Hyde Street and um, was constantly directed because I was offering too little uh, in cash, but I finally struck a bargain at 16 and, and uh, without any problem, you know, got a very large two, two uh, milligram dose of, of, of fentanyl it was an indication of how little these dealers fear law enforcement that they were willing to sell to this girl, you know, lugging her luggage on the way to the airport. Now, maybe that's a frequent uh, uh, customer base for them, but I don't think so. I mean, there's a homelessness in San Francisco and elsewhere is, is heavily minority, uh, and, and it, it stems above all from social breakdown. But uh, people would tell you about the lifestyle that is so enabled and, and tick off all the goodies that are available to them. And uh, the fact that they have opportunities that are available but are simply not a, something that they're willing to accept at this point because they want to stay on the streets where they can use drugs uh, without getting harassed. Are you allowed to use drugs in the homeless shelters? Uh, probably not, but they use it outside, I'm sure. Uh, but I, I don't know how well the shelters are able to uh, oversee that. I did manage to sneak into one of the uh, newest models for homeless shelters. And of course, to, to be in the any social services, social welfare, uh, occupation, and certainly in homelessness, requires massive amnesia. You have to pretend that every latest initiative is the first time anybody's ever thought about this, you know, and that these, these task forces haven't been preceded by a dozen similar task forces. And uh, we're just coming up with these ideas for the first time, so this, these, the new prototype shelter is something called navigation centers, which are very service intensive. Again, this is not a new idea. This has been around for a long time, but I snuck into one. Uh, the, actually, I, I will add this, that nobody within the San Francisco government was willing to work with me, not even the police department. They are so terrified about uh, negative publicity that they are utterly non-transparent. So I nevertheless got into one of these navigation centers uh, and it, it looked fairly well run to me. It looked clean. Uh, there was a, a guy screaming at the clerk that how dare you serve me eggs again. I already told you I don't like eggs and, and a social worker came up and tried to quiet it down, you know, quiet him down very politely. Uh, but you know, the very fact that he was obviously mentally unbalanced, but still uh, felt that he could quibble about being served eggs at his all-you-can-eat, 
all-day available buffet uh, suggests that these are not people operating under the sharp lash of necessity. Well, oh, hold on, hold on. Let's back up here. You said that homelessness is the least of the problems of homeless people, but that sounds totally contrary to reason. Uh, I thought that, I mean, I've heard for years that housing is the problem, that we need to get housing for the homeless. But you're saying that's not the problem? It is most definitely not the problem, but this was the explanation for uh, street vagrancy that Homelessness, Inc. developed in the 80s. They ran with it. Every media outlet picked it up. It is the gospel truth. What is the problem is drug addiction and mental illness and social disaffiliation. These are people who have cut their ties with the uh, family, community friends that could keep them off the streets, on their feet when things go wrong. And uh, when you say that we are going to now tolerate street living, you destroy any incentives people might have to not act out, to not storm out of their their mother's apartment if you're a single mother or or you know scream at your at your employer or your manager and get a, and and lose your job uh, these are people who have been offered housing many many times by outreach workers and they turn it down because homelessness is a lifestyle it allows unchecked drug use uh, there's free food everywhere. These cities that are the most notorious for their street vagrancy problems are known magnets across the country. People will say, yeah, I heard well, somebody with regards to Skid Row on L.A., which is, is uh, if, if anything, even more uh, brutal and, and phantasmagorical than, than San Francisco's Tenderloin District. But somebody there said, yeah, you know, the, the word out in Iowa is you can come here and party without uh, any checks from law enforcement. And that's true. And that, and that drives people to these, to these environments that enable homelessness. It's, not, it's just not just free food. It's, it's needle exchanges, uh, you know, tents, free smartphones, you name it. Uh, everything to keep people on the streets. Well, but if you were to build homes for the homeless and give them a house, wouldn't they occupy them? I mean, what do you think about the idea that there's a right to housing? I, I think that's a very dangerous step to take, a right to housing. I, you know, create that right, and believe me, it is going to be inflated into uh, enormous proportions of demands. You know, it's not just going to be housing. It's going to be two-bedroom housing. It's going to be housing with uh, a swimming pool. But in any case, that cuts away. It, it destroys a very important motivator for bourgeois behavior, which is to house yourself. The fact is, is that people have such severe drug addiction and mental illness problems that they uh, often cannot keep their housing. Uh, it's it's much more important to acknowledge those problems and deal with them. And I will say this, you know, we can maybe argue 
about a right to shelter. And there's a proposal now in California to say, okay, we'll grant a right to shelter, but here's the catch. The quid pro quo is that you have to actually use it. You're not allowed to stay on the streets. Now, that's, that's a quid pro quo that I would be willing to contemplate, although I still think it sets up a dangerous precedent. Um, but you certainly do not have a right to live at taxpayer expense in the most expensive housing markets in the country. Let's just say that the people on the streets in San Francisco have some right to housing that taxpayers have to uh, uh, supply. It should not be in San Francisco. It costs minimal $700,000 a unit to build affordable housing in San Francisco. With a population of 5,000, that would building housing for that number in San Francisco would be over a third of the city's budget. There would be no money left for anything else if they even were to want to support the police department at the levels necessary. What I advocate for is a regional solution. It's completely arbitrary where one vagrant ends up versus another, and I frankly question the very idea that just because a vagrant ends up on your city's streets, that as a taxpayer, you therefore become obligated to provide housing. I don't quite get that. Nobody's explained that to me. But but assuming there's some right there that all of a sudden I show up and taxpayers now are obligated to house me, I would say this should be done outside of cities. It should be done on a regional basis. Uh, cities across a region should pitch in and create very bare bones, uh, clean, sober facilities where people can get back on their streets, get off drugs, get the mental treatment they need, uh, but build it where you get the most bang for your money, and that is in abandoned industrial zones outside of cities or rural areas. Um, Well, I think, you know, part of the reason that people think that we should have homeless shelters in cities is because then they can connect to social networks, job opportunities, you know, and things like that, putting them in concentration camps, like, you know, out in the boondocks, like, what are they supposed to do? Well, they can, they can focus on getting their lives together. Uh, As one addict uh, convict told me, he said he's been in every prison in California. uh, When he said, sure, San Francisco has a lot of services, but when you get out of prison and you're put right back in these drug markets, uh, which I had very close experience with in San Francisco, uh, it's very hard to stay clean. So I, I think that's asking a lot of people uh, to try to conquer uh, these terrible addictions in the middle of uh, the most flagrant open-air drug trade that I've ever seen. As far as uh, services, well, that's true. There are services, but there can be services outside. As far as connecting with friends and family, I don't know. That is the claim. You're right, Seth. I don't know to what extent that actually happens. And jobs, uh, there could be jobs, getting job skills. I mean, really what many people lack is is the soft skills of, of being able to show up every day, not scream at your manager. And I think these 
housing facilities that I would advocate uh, would put everybody to work in, in maintenance. And then people would presumably transition into uh, some kind of self-sufficient living and maybe go back to uh, a, pop, a, a populated area like right. a city. Um, well, in, in New York City, uh, you know, which is a different place and has different, different experience, um, Bill de Blasio wants to build homeless shelters in every community district. And the people who's, you know, who become homeless from that area, they would be sheltered in the same neighborhood. Um, and there's been some pushback on that. Uh, now, I understand that in San Francisco, they've wanted to build a large shelter on the Embarcadero, and people have gotten mad about it. But isn't it kind of just elitist and sort of nimbiest not to want a homeless shelter in your neighborhood? No, it's perfectly rational. Again, I am pro-nimbyism. I'm going to defend nimbyism. Uh, I think it is nobody has made that bargain that by working his way up the housing ladder, uh, he has therefore assumed the obligation of having uh, mentally ill drug addicts in his backyard. Uh, it is perfectly defensible to say, no, these are, is a population that is potentially dangerous. When you combine mental illness with chemical addiction, you increase an individual's rate of violence exponentially. Mm -hmm. No parent should have to put up with that. Uh, and, but besides that, it is simply economically irresponsible uh, just for the sake of sticking it in the eye of every neighborhood to build housing in some of the most expensive neighborhoods. If, if we want to help, we should make the taxpayer dollars that are allotted to this problem, which are massive. I mean, San Francisco is spending minimally uh, in, the, in the most narrowly defined set of agencies dealing with the problem, $300 million a year. But I, I can assure you it's double that and will be double that after this recent taxpayer initiative they just passed. Uh, you want to get the most for your money, and that is not in uh, high-rent districts. So regarding drugs um, and, say, free needles— this is, you know, this is done in the name of, of harm reduction because if people don't get free needles, well, then they might be more likely to use dirty needles and transmit diseases to each other. Um, similarly, you know, opening up uh, drug drop-in centers where people can safely use opioids and then, you know, be revived if they overdose. I mean, this is all in the name of you know, being practical about the problem. Yes, it would be better if people weren't on drugs, but given that they are going to use drugs, shouldn't society make it as safe as possible? How do you respond to this to this idea? Well, it's a dilemma, and obviously there is a surface logic to that argument, but it's a question of the battle of two evils and which is worse. Uh, by these harm reduction methods, you are unequivocally normalizing this behavior. 
uh, a former San Francisco police captain sent me the materials that the San Francisco Public Health Department has put out to help addicts uh, get the best high, to teach them how to shoot up, how to, where to apply the tourniquet on your arm, uh, you know, how to look for blood in the needle to make sure that you've hit a vein. It's absolutely grotesque reading this thing. Uh, it, 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 it is almost fiendishly wallowing in its refusal to exercise any kind of normative judgment. Any effort to stigmatize that behavior after capitulating in that way uh, is futile. And so the problem is, you know, time one, you've got the, the immediate need, the poverty, the single parenting, uh, the drug addiction, and you feel in time two, you have to come up with an immediate response. The problem is what preceded time one? And it is the decisions that went into that state in time one that is destructive individually and destructive socially that you have to prevent. And that is the role of social norms and, yes, stigma. And as a society now, we are absolutely reluctant to impose stigma and to impose consequences for bad behavior, at least for certain favored groups of victims. But without any kind of negative consequences, it's a moral hazard problem. You are uh, not just enabling that bad behavior, but encouraging it. So London Breed, the, the current mayor of San Francisco, I, I believe she came to office promising some kind of you know, stricter enforcement of the law, uh, that she was going to clean up the city. Has she done so? Have there been any moves to uh, to change what's going on in San Francisco? And can we expect any solutions from the political class there? Well, she wants to build a lot more housing. She wants to, she has said that we need more ability to get people mental treatment I, I'm not sure, however, the, the bills that I've seen with regards to uh, involuntary commitment are, are virtually toothless. Uh, I have not heard her say that enforcement of existing laws on the books uh, is nothing to apologize for, that people who are violating basic public order laws should be cited and arrested and, and, and prosecutors should take their cases because, again, when you give up on entire categories of criminal enforcement, you are inviting more of that behavior. Uh, the test for me to know whether San Francisco is uh, actually serious, and this is obviously wildly utopian, Seth, but the drug trade uh, in San Francisco around the Tenderloin Civic Center Plaza Union Square is is dominated, almost monopolized exclusively by uh, Hondurans, m most of whom are illegal. The, it is insane for the San Francisco Sheriff and Police Department to refuse to cooperate at all with ICE in 
uh, deporting known criminals. If, if San Francisco wanted to get rid of its dealers, it's a lot easier to make a case uh, that a dealer is in the country illegally than it is to make a case for illegal drug dealing, which is carefully choreographed so that the usable evidence in court is distributed among a whole variety of actors. These guys have it down, uh, whereas proving that somebody's in the country illegally is a straightforward matter. They should be using every tool available to them, including the immigration laws, to get these guys out of there, where they are preying not just on the uh, vagrants on the street, but the, the secondary consequences of that. I talked to a manager of a senior uh, single-room occupancy hotel that, that houses poor seniors and also people with mental problems, and it was right across from the major homeless advocacy organization in San Francisco, the Coalition on Homelessness, which has outside of it, I've got to give them credit, they live by their principles. Uh, it's not as if they require enforcement. It has one of the most squalid mini encampments that I've seen outside of the coalition headquarters. So, But the manager said that his seniors are terrified to go out on the street because everybody's shooting up in plain view. Uh, the seniors have no idea when somebody's going to act out violently. And so they're virtual prisoners uh, in their, in their uh, little SRO units. So this unchecked drug use and drug sales, drug, drug trade affects a large number of people and destroys their quality of life unjustly. Well, that being the case, and, and we'll end on this. Okay, the political class... In San Francisco, obviously, they're very progressive liberals, and they have, you know, certain, uh, you know, a certain ethic that they have to follow. But the business community in San Francisco, this is a region of the country that I don't know has a trillion dollars in equity. Who knows how much? Aren't they perturbed about what's happening? Say the the Facebooks, the Googles, these people, Apple, all of these companies are in the area. How could they not be disturbed by what's happening? The need to virtue signal is absolutely boundless. Uh, there was an interesting division that occurred uh, over the last election cycle. San Francisco's biggest employer, Mark Benioff, who's the CEO of Salesforce, which is a cloud-based uh, uh, sort of human resources personnel management uh, company has been over the years a very vocal uh, supporter of the Coalition on Homelessness, this radical, radical advocacy group, and of uh, spending ever more money on homelessness, which he, he blames on, on stingy taxpayers. Uh, and he in, co in conjunction with the Coalition on Homelessness, put a ballot measure on the San Francisco ballot that would raise uh, taxes on companies of over with over $50 million in revenues. And uh, this would raise the money to double what the the one agency just uh, one agency alone its budget on uh, homelessness by another $300 million. But some of the other big uh, tech CEOs like Jack Dorsey of Twitter uh, wrote on Twitter, appropriately enough, that 
this Proposition C was very poorly through, th uh, thought out, that it was merely throwing money at a bureaucracy that has shown absolutely no success. And before we, we double its budget, uh, we should actually have meaningful outcome measures and, and proof that, that raising more tax dollars is actually going to make a difference. Well, Benioff went on a rampage and accused uh, Dorsey and a few other tech leaders of heartlessness, of not caring about the children. You know, he played the inevitable child card and, and uh, basically used the equation that your compassion should be measured on how much money you're willing to spend on a problem, preferably other people's money. Uh, and the, the proposition did pass. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it will have no effect whatsoever, but uh, there's been little uh, rumblings before that. There were lesser-known tech guys who wrote recklessly on their Facebook pages or Twitters uh, diatribes against the street squalor, appeals to then-Mayor Ed Lee saying, uh, there's just, this is unacceptable for a city to go with this. And they used rather uh, uninhibited language about the bums on the streets. And, you know, I made my, they were, they were so naive as to say, look at, I made my money. I'm paying my rent. I should have, I have a right to expect, uh, uh, you know, walkable streets, which is not, frankly, a preposterous point of view. They were hounded. One guy was hounded out of the city. He now lives in Nashville. Another fellow had to just prostrate himself before the, uh, the uh, coalition on homelessness uh, harpies. So it's a very difficult thing. It, but it's, it's, a, it's delicious to watch because these are people who are uh, self-righteously leftist, who believe that they're superior to the rest of the country in their progressive politics. And so there is at least some, some fiendish satisfaction in knowing that they have to walk out of their apartments and, and navigate uh, the feces and syringes themselves. Delicious to watch, perhaps not so delicious to smell. Uh, well, we'd love to hear your comments about today's episode on Twitter at City Journal, hashtag 10blocks. Lastly, if you like our show and want to hear more of it, please leave ratings and reviews on iTunes. This is your host, Seth Barron. Heather McDonald, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Seth. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.